0: Listen, uh, I was going to sing that song for you this morning, but I thought I'm going to give one of the young guys a chance, right? He did all right. You did all right, man. We're gonna, we'll let you do it again sometime. Well, good morning. My name is Aaron, if I've not met you, and I'm from Texas. Uh, I moved to Tennessee about 25 years ago, so I've been a missionary to Tennessee for a long time now. Um, because I'm from Texas, I, I follow the University of Texas, the University of Texas Longhorns, which is the real UT. I see I see Hook'em Horns in the back, and you know UT, the real UT, they have one of the best mascots. His name is Bevo, and Bevo, the the school actually uh, uses the same color for their uniforms that Bevo actually is I mean what a what a cool mascot the thing about this mascot though is he's 1800 pounds of fury and they have handlers that these guys are college students and they're supposed to contain Bevo and you can see here this was against uh, the University of California a couple years ago when Bevo got a, a little little upset maybe he wasn't drugged up enough because that's what they usually do to him and uh, they had a little bit of trouble with him and that should have been kind of a wake-up call uh, but someone didn't think this through and so in uh, at the Sugar Bowl uh, back in earlier this year in, in January someone had this bright idea to take Uga, who's the University of Georgia's bulldog and to have a face-off with Bevo I don't know if you saw this, but I want to show you. Watch this video now of what happened. Down there, there he is. Haga. He does not know where to go. Oh, he's about to use the rush. That is adorable. They do not have a scooper. <laughs> like now, no, watch this closely here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is like a man walking on the moon. <laughs> Never for... Oh, oh, oh. oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Now oh look at Lord. how they. This oh. other angle they'll show oh. you pinned up. Look how they're trying to oh. pin up this animal. Can live television get better than that? No. Maybe that was not the best idea. there's not much of a containment fare. there, is it? Can we get a replay? The point oh, is that's here. Targeting. Is that targeting? Thankfully I've he didn't. He didn't get the. You know he didn't that? get the it little was, bulldog. But the point is here. Um, yeah, when Bevo wanted to go somewhere, he's not going to be contained, is he? So I thought about that. Our theme is uncontained. And the first aspect of the resurrection I want to share with you, if you're taking notes, you can write this down on on the review, is Jesus demonstrates through the resurrection uncontained power. His power cannot be contained. We talked about that earlier. His power couldn't be contained by the government who was trying to silence his voice and restrict him. His power couldn't be contained through the execution of being on the cross. His power could not not even be contained to the grave. The grave, which is the end for all of us, was not the end for our Savior. Satan took everything he had, all the demons of hell and all the forces of evil, to try to contain the power of Jesus, but nothing can contain Jesus. You can't pin him in. You can't lock him in. You can't restrain him. You can't restrict him. There is uncontained power in our Jesus. And so those who knew Jesus and walked with Jesus kept telling the story about Jesus. And we have an example of this story, how they would talk about him in Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 37. This is some of the apostles who are testifying about Jesus. And they remind the the people they're speaking to, you know the events that took place throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus has power, and that power was proved a lot of different ways. It goes on. It says he went about doing good and healing all those who were under the tyranny of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem, and yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Isn't that a great thought to know that the resurrected Jesus shared a meal and he he shared food and drink, and, and he does that also with us as we'll find out this morning. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. I love this last verse we're going to read. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. The way we're forgiven is by believing. And the one who we believe in, his name is Jesus And as Pastor Josh said earlier, this whole story... Would not matter and would have no effect if there was no resurrection. Jesus is not just an historical figure. Jesus is not a myth. Jesus is not just a great teacher. Jesus is not just a moralist. Jesus is not just someone we admire from the pages of history. Jesus Christ was one who claimed to be God. And he proved he was God by his resurrection on the third day with uncontained power. And he did this because his name is to be Revered and set apart is different than any other name because it's the only name by which you and I can receive forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't matter how much you admire a writer, a religious leader, a political leader, a, a, a great a person who's, who inspires you, no one can take away your sin except Jesus. Jesus is the only one who lived a perfect life, He's the only one who received upon Himself the punishment of my sin. And your sin and so because of that we know that his name is above every name we believe in the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus has power over sickness it has power over addiction Jesus is more powerful than systems of oppression or the armies of the nations the name of Jesus is greater than poverty the name of Jesus is greater than the most powerful dictator the name of Jesus is greater than death Hell and the grave itself. It's the name that's above every name. And it's He is who we are here to worship today. So that sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, that's a good preaching point. Uh, you know, he's great. He's over everything. But the question really is, is he over you? Is he the Lord of your life? Because I want to tell you this this morning that his power cannot be contained in your life, in your life, in your personal life. Because he loves you. And I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus is after you. Jesus wants you. Sometimes we, we, we hear kind of the way I was preaching about, yeah, Jesus, his name's above every name. And his power is above every power. And he saved the world. But we don't let it impact us. Well, I'm here not to, to lead a, a big rally. And that, that's not what I'm here to do today. We're, we're here because of your heart. Because God has you here because he's chasing your heart. God wants your heart. God wants your life. God is seeking after you. Some people who have who've really examined this characteristic of God has called this searching love of God irresistible grace. I call it a God who's in love with you, a God who wants you, a God who's chosen you. And here's the great thing, that whatever God wants, he gets. And so here, here's... My point, you can sit through a service like this and you can say, My body's here, but my heart's not. And you can resist God, and you can resist God, but guess what? He's gonna keep coming after your heart. He's gonna keep creating opportunities like the one you're hearing right now. He's gonna keep bringing people into your life who will not stop praying for you. He's gonna keep giving you like this internal desire. To, to know him and, and, and sometimes we want to resist that because we, we wrongly think that life is easier if we're just living life on our own and doing what we want to do and, and we make no space for God. But God God is chasing after you because he wants to be your friend. God, God is in control of the whole world. He's not, he's not doing this out of, out of some type of uh, desire to restrict you or, or to keep your life from being uh, what you want it to be. The opposite. God wants to free you up to be the person He's created you to be, and He does that through friendship. And He wants to be friends with you. God desires you. God loves you. In 1985, there was a secret United States Navy mission in the North Atlantic, and they were searching for two um, two submarines, which had uh, nuclear submarines, which had sunk. And on this mission, to their surprise, uh, they ran into something that the world had looked for for many, many decades. This is the Titanic. And here it was, 73 years after the Titanic had sunk, on this mission, it was discovered. Something the world had thought they would never find. Because in 1912... The Titanic gave its last distress call in the North Atlantic Ocean. And then after that last distress call was identified, the Titanic drifted uh, for quite a while before it sunk. And so this meant that those who were searching for the ship, which they had done for many decades, had hundreds of miles of area that they had to find. And sure enough, this ship laid at the bottom of the ocean 13,000 feet. That It's 43 football fields down at the bottom of the ocean. And there's a beautiful picture you'll see uh, of it laying at rest. And it was something that the world thought, the world thought for many, many decades there would never be a reconciliation of where this great ship had tragically sunk. But now that it has been discovered, it's been a treasure for us uh, these last three decades because it's given us greater. Greater understanding, it's kind of satisfied, a, a social need in us, and, and there's many other, many other benefits uh, from, from being able to examine the wreckage of that. I think about this story because some of you, your soul feels like it's at a forgotten, unreachable place. You feel like you're 13,000 feet under the surface. You, you feel like you're in a place that's dark. Cold and forgotten. On this Resurrection weekend, God has has called me to remind you of this: is that He has an uncontainable reach, an uncontained reach. God reaches to the very depth of the darkest, most isolated place of humanity. Sometimes it's because of sin. Sometimes we've done things and we've made choices. And we're at a place of darkness we thought we would never be. We feel very isolated. Sometimes we didn't choose that, but it was chosen for us. And circumstances of life have put us in a place of isolation. And we're alone. And just like our ancestors, Adam and Eve, as soon as we sin, we want to hide from God. We want to hide from God. God's looking for us, and we are somewhere hiding from him. And so you find yourself in this place that's alone and you feel forgotten and it's cold and it's dark and it's lifeless. The resurrection is for you. Because the resurrection power of Jesus says I'm going to reach down to that place where no one thinks that that they can be found. And you think that your story your story is unique and your story is different. But well, your story is nothing too difficult for our God. Our God's arm is not too short. Our God knows where you are and he knows how to get to you and he will get to you. God has a plan for this world of beauty. Mankind has taken God's work. We've polluted it. But God's not done with this planet and God's not done with humanity and God is not done with you. This is what the prophet Isaiah spoke about when he talks about this future existence that we're entering into and we're on our way. And I hope this gives you much hope for the God who reaches down to humanity. In Isaiah 65, starting with verse 17, the scripture says this, and and speaking on behalf of God, it says this, for I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. For I will create Jerusalem. This is an idyllic place. It's an idyllic place where God meets his people. I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. I love this line. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. How many know that there is coming a day on this planet when God comes and lives among his people and there's no more crying, no more evil, no more hurt, no more pain, no more terrorist attacks like happened to our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka this morning. Uh, No more need for hospitals, no more need for funeral homes, no more need for uh, 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 cures to diseases, no more need to arbitrate wars because all wars will end. This is the world God has for us. This is where we are headed. This is the kingdom of God that is beginning now. And this is God's heart for us. And God, he sees the mess that we've made on this earth. A, a place of evil, a place of murder, a place of injustice, a, a place of uh, a, where, where God's peace and truth often does not rain. And he says, I'm gonna get involved in that mess. I'm gonna come in the form of Jesus and I'm gonna get involved and I'm gonna show a different way and I'm going to conquer the power of death. I'm gonna conquer the power of sickness and hell and the grave. And the resurrection morning proved all of this. Verse 23 says, this this future that we're now in, that we're gonna see it fully come. They will not labor without success. or bear children destined for disaster. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. Amen. Isn't that a good thing? A people blessed by the Lord. And not just us, but our children and grandchildren. And I love verse 24. Even before they call, I will answer. While they are speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like cattle. But the serpent's food will be dust. will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain says the lord look at verse 24 even before they call i will answer while they are still speaking i will hear this is that uncontained reach of god you know prayer is a good thing and we all need to pray i want us all to pray but before we even pray god has the answer to our prayers i mean he hears us out of his sovereignty he's reaching out and he's answering our prayers. And that's why you never have to wonder if God's going to forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what choice you've made. God always reaches down to that dark, cold place. And he, he will raise you up. And he will bring resurrection life to you. The resurrection life that came through Jesus was a first fruit of the resurrection we all experience in this life and in the life to come. And so it is, we'll be with the Lord. The Lord will bring that, bring that resurrection into our lives. As a child, when I was about 10 years old, I went to, I was, I grew up in Dallas, as I mentioned. And, and we, drew, we drove to Cincinnati uh, to see some family up there and stopped at the Mammoth Cave. And I went through that with my grandfather. And back in those days, uh, one of the tours told a lot of the old stories about the cave, we were deep, deep down into the cave, and the tour guide started telling the story of a young boy who got lost, and, and he's recreating the conditions of the story. And I'm obviously very, very interested because I can identify with, with the age of the boy and, and just kind of imagining myself being physically in there. So there came a part of this reenactment when the tour guide shut out all the lights, and we were in the darkness of the earth. And it was a darkness that uh, was so intense, it, it, it almost suffocated me at first. I just, you know, I grabbed my grandfather's hand and, and, and I wanted so bad for the light to come back on. And he began to tell the story. And he, he told the story about how, for many days, uh, from what I remember, this, this boy was inside the cave in complete darkness, in complete silence. He, he found two rocks, and he began to tap the rocks together just so he wouldn't have uh, the, the, the suffocating silence, so to speak. And, and, and that tapping is what actually caused him to, to be found, which is, which is uh, good when a story ends well that way. But as I'm hearing this, I'm just like, I want the light to come back on. And just the story was probably two to three minutes, but it felt so long. And and just when I felt like I couldn't take it anymore, boom, someone turned on the light. Turned on the light. Turned on the flashlight, what it was. And that one light changed everything. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to be okay. That one light showed where everybody was. That one light gave great hope that this story we were reenacting what was something that would not affect us. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. Direction tells us and informs us about uncontained light. Uncontained light. There is technically no such thing as darkness. All darkness is, is an absence of light. So it is that, guys, a lot of us are in dark places, but the resurrection and this morning is saying there is a light, a light that can't be contained, a light that can't be stopped, a light for you. I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to prepare themselves to distribute communion. And as they're doing that, I want to read a passage with you from Luke chapter 24. On this Resurrection Sunday, this is one of the stories, one of the four accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Starting with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While, were they, while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood beside them in dazzling clothes. There's that light again. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Ask the men. These angels said, hey, why are you here looking for Jesus in a place of death? Because he is alive. And that's one of the first times this great story was told. And we're retelling that. I know that here this morning some of us feel very dark. Darkness is around us. Um, darkness is on top of us. Darkness is within us. But it just takes a little bit of light and the darkness is over. A little bit of faith. One step to the Lord. To just open in your heart just a little bit to Him. And you'll be surprised that when you allow some of that light to come in your heart, that, that power and that love, that reach. And let God just reach a part of your heart that you've, you've just kept separate from Him. You'll be surprised. And how much a difference just a small step of faith can make as we seek Jesus. With Jesus, what happens is this. We're reminded on this on resurrection morning that, that the night is long and the night can be dark. And then the sun, it just peaks over the horizon. And as soon as it does, everything changes. There's hope. There's new perspective. There's less shadows. And then as the sun comes up, the day it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. So it is with Jesus and his work in your life. Just let him, let him start that first step. Let, let him, let that light just come on in, just come on in a little bit. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to solve and answer every question about faith today. I, I just want you to open your heart and just see what happens when, when Jesus has a chance with his, his love his love that wants you and that desires you. You open your heart to Him and, and you're going to see um, God do something in your life that's, that's very, very appropriate for you. A lot of times we just foolishly you know, resist Jesus because we're like, I don't want to be like Uncle Joe. or I don't want to be like Aunt Nancy. Or, I don't want to be like that person I knew back in, in fourth grade. And guys, stop that, please. Quit trying to avoid being someone else and be yourself. Be the one who loves Jesus. Be a lover of Jesus. Don't try to live your life in avoidance of that which is best. And someone just needed to hear that today. It's like like you're living this resistance and and you're thinking you're proving something to people you can't even see. And all you're doing is keeping yourself from God's best for your life. And so, so it is we receive the light of Jesus. I want to pray with you. As I'm going to a time of prayer, I want to give you instructions about communion. At the conclusion of